Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowway. This is Series 1, Episode 39, I believe. This one is titled Australia. I'm in the airport right now at LAX. I can tell you that the flight from D.C. to L.A. was quite unpleasant. Last time we flew with the baby, she was very easy and didn't do anything. But now that she's moving around, made it quite difficult. So we were definitely the least favorite family in the back of the plane for the first several hours until she fell asleep. And we're going to Australia. My wife has a conference there. Something to do with uh, GPS and International Air Forces. So I'm tagging along with the baby. And right now it's the middle of the night for the baby. So she's she's pretty beat in the stroller. And I'm on the floor recording this. So I don't hopefully bother too many people around us. We're staying in uh, the neighborhood of Kingston, which is in Canberra. So we're flying from L.A. to Sydney, and then Sydney to Canberra tonight. And there's a man-made lake called Lake Burley Griffin. It's about seven blocks from the apartment we're staying at. And it's a man-made lake. It is stocked with Murray cod, brown trout, rainbow trout, carp, and who knows what else. So my goal is to get out and, and fish down there. I brought the Tenkara rod with me, the Iwana, 12-foot, and I brought my... Orvis Helios 8-weight switch rod with a Rio outbound shooting head and my bat and kill large arbor reel and limited myself to one box of flies so it's scorpion bugs, bass worms, San Juan worms, a variety of beadhead nymphs, woolly buggers, terrestrials, eggs because I have no idea what we're getting into here and I brought that all just to fit in my Orvis sling pack. So I'll be updating this throughout the trip, but this is the first leg, and uh, I'm pretty exhausted. It was a long day starting off, uh, going to Reston to drop the dog off, and then have my parents drive us to Dulles Airport. And now we've got a two-hour layover here at LAX. And hopefully my wife's going to get us a uh, seat for the baby. We can keep her in the car seat for this flight. It's about 17 hours. And uh, you know, we'll see how this podcast goes. Hopefully I can find some fishermen along the lake and interview them and find out what Australian fly fishing is all about. Well, we finally made it. We are in Canberra, Australia, which is the capital. It is in the Australian Capital Territory. And you want to know what a living hell is? Traveling from Los Angeles to Sydney, Australia with an 11-month-old baby that has not been given baby Benadryl. Kiersey was a nightmare on the airplane. She didn't want to sleep. She didn't want us to hold her. 
she either wanted to sit in the seat between us or there was a baby whisper in front of us. This young woman who was coming to Melbourne to see her boyfriend would take her every now and then and Kiersey would fall asleep in her arms and you give her back to us. We hold her the same way. Nothing. So it was screaming and crying and fits and temper tantrums for like 17 hours. I think I maybe got two hours of sleep in the whole flight. I ended up losing my expensive wrist brace that I got from the orthopedist. So that was a loss. And uh, I spent a couple hours just standing in the back listening to my iPod. And for a while, I played the best of the mamas and the papas and danced in the galley. And that seemed to keep the baby entertained in the Bjorn. And then from there, we got a flight from Sydney to Canberra. I'm pretty sure we saw some kangaroos while we were landing out by the runway. It was a very small plane. There were only four rows, and it was propellers, and we could see everything from the ground, including cars for the two-hour flight. So I got to see a little bit of Australia that way. But now we're in this capital city, and it's all planned by a guy named Burley Griffin. And about seven blocks from here is Lake Burley Griffin. And last night we got here and got situated and showered. And I have to say the shower pressure here was pretty awesome. Now I'm a fisherman. I've lived in my car. I can be a dirty guy and um, I can go, you know, days or, or weeks without showering if I'm out in the woods fishing and stuff. And uh, I have to say that's probably one of the best showers I've ever had. Maybe it's because I was traveling for three days. And by the way, when you're hearing this, you're hearing it tomorrow because right now I'm a day ahead of you. So we got out and did a little walk. It's chilly here. It's beginning of winter. So temperature is probably in the low 50s with uh, about 30 to 40 mile per hour gusts. And the trees are full of cockatoos and parrots and some very bizarre crows. I can't even really describe them, but they sound like they're laughing at you. And all the trees are changing their leaves and the leaves are dropping. So it's kind of like fall. Last time I experienced fall in the southern hemisphere was a trip to Namibia and South Africa in 98. And we walked down to the bus depot, which is an old bus depot. It's now a farmer's market. And we sampled local cheeses and olives and chai and teas and breads and dips and spreads and just fabulous. I love farmer's markets. This one was phenomenal. Everything was just local and delicious and everyone wanted you to sample. There were some really cool plants for sale, but of course, being that we've got to travel overseas, I can't take them back with us. And then we had some Laotian food. I had stir-fried noodles with vegetables. I had a curry puff and a chicken skewer, which was absolutely awesome. Then I went over to the Spanish, um, what would you call it, booth inside, and I had a churro dipped in chocolate, which was awesome. And I ordered in Spanish, and the lady just looked at me. It was, you know, Spanish food, especially authentic. So I said, un churro, por favor, sin chocolate. She's like, ooh, here, I put extra chocolate on for you. S-I-M-C means without in Spanish. So, and We walked around some more and I found a, a lady who uh, knits things. And she had this really cool purpley glittery stuff. And she said next week she'll bring me some scraps. They'll look pretty cool on bully buggers and some salmon patterns. And then we walked around and went to the grocery store to buy beer. You think Australians, you know, love beer. Of course, you know Foster's, which is the least Australian uh, thing you can imagine next to Jacko the Energizer Man. Oi! And a six-pack of Heineken here. It's about $15. It's over $60 for a case of Heineken or Corona. Do you hear that bird? I'm going to put this to the window. Some crazy loud birds here. So the beer is ridiculously expensive. Victoria Bitters, which is the cheap beer that we used to drink at fly fishing uh, parties back in the day because one of our guides' roommates worked at the Aussie Embassy. So Victoria Bitters is it's what I wanted to drink while here. It's about uh, $12 a six-pack of bottles. But it's got to be more than that because when you walked into the grocery store, the IGA, they had a shopping cart. The Victoria Bitters was on sale at $3 a can which I thought was just highway robbery. A bottle of Jim Beam White Label is about $50. Um, just crazy expensive booze. But then again, apparently they make more than we do. The desk girl downstairs at this uh, like apartment suites place we're staying, she makes $31 an hour as a receptionist. That's over $60,000 a year as a receptionist. 
She said that if they go out, it's usually about $12 a bottle for a, a Corona at a bar, and they like to drink Corona here. So we came back and uh, digested, and I was asleep by 5. I was trying to watch some Dexter on my iPod, which just didn't work. And then I got up this morning. It's um, 11.30 a.m. I've been up since 2 a.m. because the baby got up. She's still on D.C. time. And I started checking out the maps, and I was watching TV. So I caught up with episodes of Family Ties and Becker and The Love Boat. And I watched Good Morning America. Kind of strange to have all those shows here. So I took the baby down to the lake. We walked at 7 o'clock, and there was a car outside with snow on it. Didn't think I'd see that in Australia while I was here. Everything was covered in frost and freezing cold. I was wearing a Patagonia base layer, a pair of Dickies, uh, work pants, a base layer t-shirt, base layer long sleeve, a button-down shirt, and a marmot shell. The baby is wearing a fleece onesie with penguins on it and a down jacket, and then she's got a blanket on her. And we get down to the lake, and... Um, Apparently, they drained it. It's down three feet because there's a problem with the dam. And there was a recent huge rainstorm which washed a bunch of nutrients in. So there's this algae bloom. The entire lake is coated in this green film of just muck. It's disgusting. And there's an odor. I had trouble breathing just walking down. So my plan for the two weeks while here was to go fishing for carp, which is the the big fish species down there. So we walked probably uh, an hour or two down the lake just to see if we could get away from some of the scum, and it just kept getting worse and worse. So we finally turned around and walked back, and there's some giant swans down there. There are some funny-looking ducks, but the one thing we wanted to find, which we didn't, was carp. So now I'm on this trip to Australia with the baby, and I've got 13 more days, and I can't fish. Because the one place I was going to fish is unfishable now. So I'm a little screwed. I've got to go back to the books and, and find out what's going on. There's tacklebox.com.au, which is an Australian message board. And I've been conversing with some of the guys on there. I can't understand a thing they're typing because there's so much Australian slang. So I'm going to have to find out if there's any other options down here. So in the meantime, we walked up to the grocery store called Kohl's, not the Kohl's in the States, it's C-O-L-E-S. And the one thing they take really seriously here is, you know, they label everything that's Australian. So you know when you're buying Australian, everything either has a label or a flag or something to say, you know, proudly made in Australia. The produce was phenomenal. Phenomenal cheeses. I bought some washed rind, triple cream. Washed rind means they take the cheese and then they soak it in a, a liquor so it's either going to be like a red or white wine, champagne maybe, or a beer. And the sugars from that feeds the yeast on the cheese, and it gets an extra fermentation. So the the rind is really stinky, and it further digests because you know cheese is alive. The paste or the inside of the cheese gets really creamy. And they were on sale for like two fifty for, I don't know, a big chunk, like maybe the size of a half of grilled cheese sandwich cut on the diagonal. I got a really crusty baguette. Coke here is really expensive. The Coca-Cola, uh, a liter of Coca-Cola is $7. I got some crunchy bars and I got some cans of soup. And I just had a can of Australian potato and leek soup. And I'm going to have to say that's probably one of the best potato leek soups I've ever had. The potatoes, I mean, probably better than you could do at home, honestly. You could give somebody that can and tell them it's homemade and they probably wouldn't know the difference. So we got our groceries. We got some produce for the baby and she's napping now and Think I'm going to take a nap and wait for my wife to finish up with her conference. And once she's back, there's no Wi-Fi where we are. So I'm going to have to go downstairs to the lobby and get on the Tacklebox website. And then I can also do some tweeting. And um... This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. 
If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Facebooking, whatever else. And uh, since I bought beer, there's a place called Liquor World next to the grocery store. And I got two six-packs for 20 So one of them is a six-packs of VB bottles, and the other one I've never heard of. But for that deal, I was not passing it up. And then there's a little gourmet shop around the corner. So I got a lamb and leek uh, pasty. And I also got a um, chicken and, and leek uh, meat pie. So if my wife has to come home soon, I'm going to eat those. And uh, that's going to end part two of the Australian adventure. You know, the last fishing trip, I ended up in the hospital. This one is uh, turning out like I'm not going to be fishing a whole lot either. But I saw my friend Charlie on the airplane. He's the one who invented GPS. He's doing a trip to the Great Barrier Reef to go fishing. So who knows? Maybe I can sneak off with him and do some fishing. All right. I'm going to go take a nap because I'm beyond exhausted. Day three down under. It is Tuesday, 5.15. But, of course, if you're listening to this, it is um, not Tuesday. It is Monday for you. So I don't think I could be any more exhausted. Of course, the baby had me up at midnight, and the wife kicked me out of the bedroom because I was snoring. So I'm pretty tired. The plan today was to go find a fishing store called Tackle World in the neighborhood of Fishwick. Not the closest. It's about uh, 4.8 kilometers as the crow flies. So I used my new iPhone, and I really don't understand now why there are any other smartphones on the market after having an Android for two years, and it was a complete lemon. So I used the Google Maps, got directions, spoke to the woman downstairs at the front desk, and she told me where to go. So what I did was I... Went out of here and went to the left, Canberra Avenue, and I walked for an hour. I walked through some parks. I saw parrots and lorikeets and all sorts of other critters. And I kept walking and walking. And after an hour, I came right up to the front steps of our hotel again. And I said, wow, there's two Bentley Suites in Canberra. And then I realized I had just made an entire circle through the city probably about an hour, hour and 20 minutes of walking. And I've only got a limit of how far I can walk, how far the baby is going to go with me because I'm pushing a stroller. And I have to tell you, it's kind of easy to push a stroller and walk long distances because you can put your weight onto the stroller while you're walking. So I get my bearings and then I start walking again. So back to uh, square one and, you know, six kilometers. So we walk Canberra Avenue to Wentworth Avenue. And then we finally find Ipswich and go up Ipswich to some other road, to Newcastle, to whatever. And after about three hours of walking, uphills, downhills, we finally find a shop. Now, mind you, there really are no street signs in Canberra. It doesn't say which road is Ipswich, which road is Newcastle. So you turn onto a road which you think is correct, and you kind of walk around until you can find maybe a shop that says, like, 301 Ipswich Avenue. Made walking quite difficult. And I only brought one pair of shoes, my Ariats, my spot hogs as they're called. And they're great for walking. But it was, you know, 28 degrees on my left this morning. So I'm wearing a bunch of layers and it's 63 degrees out by the time the sun came up. So I was sweating pretty bad. And I get to the shop and you want to talk about fishing stores that are loaded. This place, it was hard pushing a stroller through there because there was so much equipment and hardware and gear. And I got one of the employees named Murray, did a three-minute interview, so I'll play that. It turns out what I'm going to have to do to catch some carp down here is get white bread, which I just got at the market, two loaves for $2 each, and I'm going to have to chum up the carp. Not something I'm really looking forward to doing. I bought white bread flies from them, which are basically a ball of white deer, spun deer hair, and I got different sizes. I also got uh, a killer pattern. It's a pattern I heard about when I was in South Africa in college. I've never actually seen one. Terribly simple to tie, apparently. It's just a couple of pheasant feathers and some squirrel tail and a little red body to it. So they said, go down to that park, 
But again, there's a lot of swans in that park, so I got to be careful not to hook a swan. So what I'm going to do is see if I can chum up some fish without the birds seeing me. And apparently, there are women down there that feed the birds. Like I said, I saw three bags of empty bread in the water, which if I didn't have the baby, I probably would have gone in and pulled them out somehow. And if not, then they told me to go down to the bridges where that other woman said the carp were going to be. And I'm going to roll up some bread balls tonight. I got a cab back from the fishing store because it was ridiculous. I was not doing that walk again. I went to the grocery store, got the two loaves of bread. And next to the grocery store, there's a gourmet market. So I got a little half-pint container that you would put olives or something in at a deli bar. And I'm going to roll up a bunch of bread balls tonight and maybe put some sugar on them or something to sweeten them up and make them tasty for the carp. I ended up getting some more of that soup, the potato leek, and uh, I'm looking forward to having that for dinner. That was one of the best canned soups I've ever had. And at that little market, I ended up getting another chicken and leek puff pastry little pie, little meat pie. It was so good. It was 3 bucks yesterday, so I got another one for lunch. Got back here. So we left at 7.45 this morning. Got back here about 1. Put the baby down instantly. She went to sleep. She didn't even want to eat. And uh, I'm making my plans now to go fishing in the morning. So I'm going to get some leaders set up, make sure my camera gear is ready to go. My polarizing 52-millimeter lens fell off and cracked today. So I don't have a polarizing lens for the telephoto lens. Kind of pissed. I'll have to order another one on eBay. Just got a 35-millimeter one for about 3 bucks, free shipping on eBay. So no worries with getting a new one. I just go over my gear, look at maps, and then I'm going to go, uh, when the wife gets back, down to the computer lab in the hotel and look at some more Google Earth maps. Apparently, there's definitely trout fishing an hour, hour or two away from here. So we'll see maybe this weekend. And there's also some golf courses in town. I'm going to probably take a cab to those on Thursday or Friday because there's kangaroos all over the golf course. we got to deal with Canada geese on the golf course I live next to. But apparently you can hit kangaroos with your golf balls. So that will be interesting. Hopefully there's some ponds nearby, inside or outside the golf course. Maybe I can weasel my way, my way, ugh, my way in and maybe you know a little bribe. But um, I'm going to go have another Victoria Bitters, and I'm going to watch season uh, six of Dexter. I'm up to episode nine, and I'm going to try and take a nap because last night I crashed at 6 p.m. Barely could have sparkling wine with the wife. I was so beat. Another thing, observations here, um, everyone is truly friendly. You can stop anybody on the street, get directions. When you're crossing the street, always look right, left, and then right again because they drive backwards. Most of the TV commercials are infomercials, and they love Chef Tony down here. There's plenty of commercials for that guy who looks like a hybrid of Chef Boyardee and um, Adolf Hitler, and he's pimping all sorts of gadgets. That's it. It's, uh, yeah, it's tomorrow. So, cheers. Um, that's part three of uh, Down Under. So today, got up a little later. Baby didn't want to sleep at all last night. Packed up the baby, the stroller, got the loaf of white bread, my bread flies, went down to the lake, saw a bunch of parrots on the way down, and there was a bunch of cockatiels or cockatoos, I don't really, can't confirm their name, but back home they're cockatoos, sitting on the side of the road in people's front yards, and I get down there, and the algae's all over the little park where the swans hang out, and again, these aren't little swans, these things are about three feet tall when they're in the water, and they're big. So I walked down to where a little creek from the park empties into the lake, creating some moving water, which kind of flushed some of the green, funky algae out. And the odor from the algae is just terrible. There's this just wretched funk in the air. Probably not good to breathe. I'm going to start chumming the water. Throwing in balled up pieces of bread, full slices of white bread, pieces of crust, kind of a little bit of everything, hoping that some fish would show up. And, of course, the swans start swimming over and I'm shooing them away with my fly rod and I'd grab some acorns on the walk down and threw those in also hoping that just the sound of the splash would maybe attract some carp from farther away and nothing was going on so I started taking the bread fly and just slapping it down trying to make like a a pseudo bread hatch thing going on nothing was happening and then about four women walked up to me and pointed across the lake and said, down there by the bridge, there's loads of, of fish. There's carp. There's hundreds of them the other day. I said, well, how far a walk? They're like, oh, no more than 30 minutes. I said, is it easy to get to? They're like, well, we're going there now. 
I said, do you mind if I tag along? And they're like, absolutely not. So I walked with these four women and we chatted for about an hour walking over there. And I got to see some parts of Canberra I probably never would have seen. The wetlands, some swampy marsh areas, what used to be called the dairy lands, which was the area that the cattle were raised in before the areas were developed. And there's just a little bit left of where the cattle um, still wander. Saw some exotic birds, some ducks. Saw an egret hanging out with the cows. Finally got to the bridge, and we all stopped and started throwing some bread off and, and nothing. There wasn't a fish in that entire area. The women decided to part ways, and it's a small world. It turns out one of them has a friend that may possibly have worked with my brother-in-law at an animation studio in Portland, Oregon a couple years ago. So I gave them my card, and we're going to you know keep in touch and, and see if it really is a small world. So they kept on walking. It's something they do about once a week. I don't know how long we walked, but by now the baby was getting cranky and crying. And she didn't want Cheerios. She didn't want a bottle. She didn't want to nibble on any white bread. She didn't want to listen to Bob Marley. So I was getting a little stressed pushing her around. And there's a couple more spots I stopped off and tried to chum up some fish, places that I stopped people on the trail around Lake Burley Griffin and asked if there were any fish. Oh, yeah, there were loads of carp there the other day. Seven were pulled out. So I went over there, and baby's crying, and I'm like, all right, screw it. We're going to start walking back. And I'd made the executive decision at the bridge not to double back, but to keep going around the lake just to explore. So I came up to that first bridge after about another hour of walking and crossed the bridge and another 20 minutes to get back to the trail and then another 10 to 15 minutes walk back up here to the apartment. So all in all um, – three, four, four hours maybe of walking. So I'm definitely burning more calories than I thought I would. The baby was happy once I stopped the stroller. We actually did stop at the swans where I started and we fed them a little bit of bread and some Cheerios. And the baby thought that was hilarious. I had her out of the stroller. I think she was just tired of being in that for so many days in a row. I'm starting to think that this whole fish in the lake is sort of like drop bears. They tell Americans that koala bears will fall asleep and fall out of the trees and hit you on the head. I think it's just a story they make up. I have not seen any signs of fish life in this lake. I might try one more time before I go. I'm going to definitely freeze that loaf of bread. I don't feel like walking down there tomorrow. I think we're going to go to the botanical gardens. I was told there's some kangaroos there, some nice birding. So I will do that. Everyone tells me I either need to go down to the coast or I need to go up to the mountains to fish. And I said, well, I don't have a car, so I'm limited to here. Well, that's it for today. The end of walking around down under in Canberra. For this day, at least. What is going on? Today is May 21. And you know this didn't even start out to be a fly fishing trip to begin with. This is assisting my wife with the baby while I'm down here. Thinking I'm going to change this into birding and wildlife viewing because the fishing is just plain awful so kangaroos the botanical gardens so we go to the botanical gardens and i look at the map and this place looks absolutely enormous and we start our little walk and it turns out the whole loop only takes like 25 minutes kind of disappointing but i saw some pretty cool flowers there's some flowers that look like corn on the cob uh i guess you know being that it's winter not much was blooming Saw some really cool parrots, went down into the rainforest area, got some cool pictures. I'd always wanted to see giant ferns, like the fern trees. I didn't really get to go to a fern forest, but I did get to stand next to some fern trees that were probably 9, 10 feet tall. And then the fronds stuck out again, you know, 10, 15 feet in a circle. So that was pretty cool. Ended up at the eucalyptus grotto where we were told there's always kangaroos, and they said, always kangaroos. And we get there, and of course, there's nothing. That evening, I go back down to the lake, try to chum up some fish, and nothing. We end up buying a nice bottle of Jacob's Creek Cool Harvest Sparkling Sauvignon Blanc. And I'm going to have to go out on a limb and say that's probably the best sparkling wine I have ever had. It was tough having to share that bottle with my wife. We sat outside and had some Australian blue cheeses and some of that more washed rind cheese and some olives and some spreads and dips and a baguette. Just hung out on the, the front balcony of our hotel, the Bentley Suites, and watched traffic go by. 
It's so good. In fact, we went back the other night and bought another bottle. It was only $11, so that's pretty awesome considering the prices here. One of the guys from the U.S. Air Force happens to have a car. So we decided to go to the town of Bungendore, B-U-N-G-E-N-D-O-R-E. Getting there was a little hard because there's, again, really no street signs. So we eventually found our way there, and it's more or less an intersection with a couple of artist shops, some food shops, bakeries, a candy shop, and a leather shop. And I went into the leather shop, and I found a very cool Native Australian fish hook necklace. So I picked up one of those for Tom and myself. The one thing I really wanted to buy, well, there are two things. First was a kangaroo leather and either wool shearling lined or rabbit fur lined bomber's hat, like an old airplane bomber, but it was like 50 or 60 bucks. The second thing, going back, I, I would definitely buy it again, which I should have, was a bull scrotum beer bottle holder. That's right, a beer scrotum beer bottle holder. I have a picture of it. I took a picture in there. The lady had signs that said no pictures, but I uh, I didn't see that until afterwards. The other funny thing they had were kangaroo scrotum... <laughs> kangaroo scrotum change pouches. And it was a pack of six of them. They were 80 bucks. And Taylor and I decided it was just... As funny as it was, we just couldn't spend you know 40 bucks a piece to, to split them. And I wish we had been filming this or had audio, but I asked the woman... I said, do these change purses shrink when it gets cold outside? And she went off in this long rant about, no, she doesn't think so. That It's leather. It should stay the same size. It, it won't change shape or anything. And, and we're all just sitting there hysterically laughing. And we go across the street, and there's a little tea shop and bookstore. And I find a copy of the Bill Bryson book, which I thought was pretty hilarious that they had Down Under or the American title in a sunburnt country which I lent my iPod with that to Taylor. So he's got it now. I want to at least be able to listen to the part about Canberra before I leave this neighborhood. And as I'm looking at the books, this girl walks by the, the waitress with a plate of two massive scones, a little bowl of clotted cream, and raspberry jam. And that just brought me back to tea time in Africa. And I said, everyone sit down. I'm ordering myself some scones, and you're going to have to wait while I eat them. And I was nice enough to share them. It was about seven bucks and fantastic. The one downfall with the raspberry sauce puree, it had seeds in it. I hate anything with seeds, like poppy seeds. What's the point of a poppy seed? It has no flavor. It's just like eating grit and it gets caught in your teeth. We decided that Bungendore wasn't somewhere we could spend a whole day. Like I said, it was just an intersection. So we decided to go to the vineyards. The first one we stopped at was Lark Hill. And they had a bunch of very creative and funny sinks and barrels and other things that were mailboxes along the road. So I took pictures of that. Then we each got out and got pictures next to the kangaroo crossing sign. Taylor has a fascination that he wants to get in a fight and box a kangaroo. Now, let me tell you some things about kangaroos that I learned. However, also, we were told that if you hit a wombat, it will total your car. Those things just look like a half-size ottoman. But apparently they are solid fat, and they will absolutely destroy your car. So kangaroos, they're very aggressive. If you do get in a fight with one, they will eviscerate you, meaning that if you think back to Jurassic Park, they will take their claw and slash and disembowel you till your bowels and small and large intestines spill out on the ground and you bleed to death. They will get back on their tail and use their hind legs to fight you. They are quite aggressive. They're territorial, apparently. And they will fight cars. So when at night, they gather along the roads because it's warmer. And when they see headlights coming, they decide that they're going to get in the middle of the road and fight that car. So there are dead kangaroos all over the side of the road. Lots of them. I had no idea that kangaroos were that stupid. And apparently here, they're a dime a dozen to the locals. Like, Steph downstairs, she sees hundreds on her way home every night. They're like squirrels to us. I want to see kangaroos. And it's just as odd when I see tourists in Washington, D.C. photographing squirrels. That's what I am to these people. So we walk into Lark Hill, and I notice there's a pond. We start chatting with a woman, and she seems a bit off. And I ask her about the pond. I said, are there any fish in the pond? And she starts going, ah, it's an organic vineyard. 
Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. There's no chemicals in my water. There's no fish either. You can't fish here. And I said, well, I was just asking, by the way, do you know anywhere I could go fishing around here? I'd like to fish and catch something before I leave Australia. Let's change the subject back to the wine, why don't we? And she was super confrontational and extremely weird. And we basically backed up and walked out. She did tell us there were kangaroos out in the vineyard and there were chickens. So, you know, you've heard of a crazy cat woman. This is a crazy chicken woman. She had chickens everywhere. We go out and automatically, instantly, I see two kangaroos just sleeping in the dirt under a a shade tree. Fantastic. I see a wild kangaroo. I've only seen him at the zoo in Washington, D.C. And then we start walking up the hill, and all of a sudden, like, 50 kangaroos get flushed and just start running everywhere. And I've got the telephoto lens with the polarizing lens that's chipped, and I start shooting pictures, and I get them running and jumping and hopping. And it's a truly marvelous creature to watch move. It's almost effortless that they just spring around. I got one really cool picture of one cresting the hill and looking over. And that was about it for Lark Hill. We decided we were not going to taste their wine. We're not spending any money there. We got the hell out of there because that lady was scaring us. We then went to Affleck Vineyards like Ben Affleck. And the woman and her husband opened it 35 years ago. It's the two of them and a couple employees and their wines were fantastic. We had reds, we had whites, we had mixes, we had ports, we had everything. It definitely got a good buzz going on after just being at that one vineyard. And on the way out, I just happened to look out the window on the road that we drove up. There was like 15 kangaroos, like 30 feet from the car. So I hop out and I got some pictures of them. They're very skittish. They definitely were flushed as soon as I got close. But I got some close-up pictures of kangaroos and I got some video. And that was pretty awesome. From there... We decided it was a day the baby lady was getting cranky, and we drove back to town. The next day, we got up early. No, no, that day after Bungendore and the vineyards, we went to the Fishwick Market. Now, if I didn't mention this earlier, Fishwick, I found out, is the pornographic capital of Australia. Thus, the sex novelty stores and strip clubs on every corner. So we got to this little market, and I immediately find Szechuan peppercorns. If you remember back to the Los Angeles food podcast, I'm obsessed with them. So I'm going to be infusing vodka for Bloody Marys so I can get all torqued up on the numb factor that they give me throughout my body. From there, we wandered around, and I found a falafel joint. And being that I'm a huge fan of falafel, I got a gigantic falafel. And then we found the plonk shop. So you can find them at P-L-O-N-K-S-H-O-P on Twitter. Probably the best selection of beers, wines, and liqueurs and liquors. That's liqueur and liquor that I've been in, especially a small shop. They had everything. Now, granted, a case of Sierra Nevada was $77 there. There was a guy, first off, giving samples of five beers, all high alcohol. So, of course, we had some of those. And then there was a guy sampling Tasmanian wines. It was the 42nd degree wines, and that sparkling wine was fantastic. But that was like $35 a bottle, not 11 for what we paid for Jacob's Creek. So we sampled them all, and then we sampled them again. And I asked the girl behind the counter, I was like, you know, I know Tui's, I know VB, I know the bitters, no one drinks Foster's, I get it. Find me a beer that I'm never going to have anywhere else except here in Australia. So she found me this IPA, and it was 5 bucks for a little, like, 11.2-ounce bottle. But it was awesome. Drank that last night. So yesterday, the plan was to go out to Turngenharnengurgenarong and go to a classic car show. Taylor fixes up old cars, and there's a pond or a lake there so I could fish. So we drive all the way out there, and it's a total bust. It's one kind of classic car in 50 different colors. There was nothing in the lake. I chummed them up with bread, nothing. So then we decided to go to another vineyard, and we go to the Majura Mountain Vineyards, 
And I wanted the whole time to go to the beach. It's only a two-hour drive to bright white sands and, like, national seashores. And I could have thrown some clousers and done some fishing and seen wombats and more wildlife. But I couldn't win over the crowd. I told everybody this week they had to get explosive diarrhea. And I'd write them a note. And then we'd go to the shore. So we get to the Majur Vineyards, and it's absolutely beautiful. It just brings me back to South Africa, tasting wines in the fall with this crisp air. I mean, there's... There's something wrong with air here. It's just that clean. There's rarely any clouds. There's no airplane afterburners or vapor trails. It's just clean, clear, bright air. And then you got the leaves changing on the vineyards and there's sheep grazing. It was awesome. Oh, I have to go back to what we did in the morning, but I'll go back afterwards. So then we taste wines and you sit down and you do a full wine flight and I don't have the piece of paper with me, but I have all the names and what I really enjoyed. And the sparkling was phenomenal. Um, some of the, the reds, the blended reds were awesome. And as we're sitting there tasting, two kangaroos run by the window. And one of them, funniest thing I've ever seen, crossed this off my list. He jumps over the fence and his foot gets caught. He's got like a size 28 foot. And he completely barrel rolls, does a somersault forward, kind of gets up, goes... <laughs> Shakes himself off and then hops away. It was hilarious. And we sat outside. We bought a bottle of wine. It had cheese and olives and pickles and and everything we bought at the farmer's market that morning. So go back to the farmer's market in the morning. I finally found my bracelet. Here it is. It's kangaroo leather. And the only fish I've been able to touch so far is a barramundi. I was walking down and I heard a guy playing a didgeridoo. And the didgeridoo sounded like this. So that was the didgeridoo. And his son is a 16-year-old artist, and he is a painter. So the didgeridoo caught my ears, and then I looked down and saw like native aboriginal art and one of them was a barramundi i, I kind of guessed it right away it's a pretty popular fish so i said how much is that painting i really really liked the, the artwork on it. he said 40 bucks and my wife's like no way i'm like 40 bucks for original piece of artwork and it's got a fish on it and it would go with some of the things i've brought back from around the world in high school i traded a pair of ray-bans for a native uh, amazonian hand-carved boat paddle I bought a mask in Africa and a totem pole walking stick. So I've got some collections from around the world. So I totally wanted to have this piece of artwork. So he explained it to me. It's a 16-year-old son, and um, I'm going to play my interview with him in a second. Hopefully it comes out over the um, iPhone. And um, I eventually bought it from him. And here's the story about that piece of artwork. So it is the fish called the famous Barrel Monday from the northern parts of Australia. Um, during uh, around about Christmas time is when they've got to come out of the fresh back to the salt to spawn again. And uh, uh, for us up in the north, that is uh, the kick off to the wet season, so the monsoon weather. So um, that is how we tell the seasons is moving of animals, uh, as well as flowering of native plants. So. Um, some native plants, we, when it flowers, we know it's time to go get a certain food. So, uh, so that's our calendar, guys. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's quite a movement of animals and flowering native plants. Who painted that? Uh, uh, that was done by my son. So uh, Matt's, uh, he's 16. And, mate, it's very important that, you know, it's, uh, we hand, this, hand it down to him. You know, it's one way we keep the culture alive is through the next generation. It's a bit tricky for the guys nowadays because um, they've got to keep up with today's living. So education, sports, um, we must try as hard as possible to keep the whole culture. So, uh, my son's got that balance just right, mate. He's uh, pretty proud of him. Yeah. Uh, and for 16, mate, he's very talented. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty proud of him, yeah, absolutely. But uh, as I said, yeah, it's very important that we hand it down to him, otherwise the culture will be lost. It's, uh, we've lost enough of it, so... It's the way our ancestors live. It's uh, one of the most amazing things about it. Was um, if you go back 300 years, you 
could take away the cave planes, you could take away the artifacts, boomerangs and all that. From and it's where we all live in this country. Yeah, so that's how much respect they showed to uh, Mother Nature. They didn't have to destroy anything. And there's not too many cultures in the world who've done that, mate. You know, most of them evolved over the years. Like, um, they worked out if they cut those trees down, they could make a bigger house, you know. Um, they found gold. They, could, they worked out if they um, melted it and uh, formed it into some sort of a god and they prayed to it. You know? So that's a part of evolution, I suppose. But our people did. I mean, they knew that they could make a bigger house out of those trees, but they had that much respect for them. They didn't want to cut them down. So um, they found gold, mate. No, there's gold everywhere. But they believed that rock belong where it was and uh, put it back there. So, so you know, 40,000 years without change. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. So I think. And that was it for the interview. I didn't know uh, how it was going to sound, so hopefully it came out pretty good. And um, I guess I'll, I'll take you guys out an intro with him playing the didgeridoo, and there will definitely be some pictures. And, um, yeah, tomorrow my goal is to go to the National Zoo and see some wildlife and get some photographs and maybe be closer than 40 or 50 feet from a kangaroo and also to buy some frozen corn niblets tonight because I am – Fed up with not having even seen a fish here. Other than my Bear Mundy. That's it for tonight. Thanks. It's raining. I'm pretty much stuck here. I've got cabin fever. I'm not taking the baby out because it's cold and raining. So today while she napped, I caught up on some MacGyver and some Miami Vice and a little Love Boat. Been watching a little bit of Numbers and Letters, which is sort of a mathematical and vocabulary-based game show. Going to start packing the clothes up. The wife and the baby are going to do a layover in San Francisco and go visit my brother-in-law. I have MJ, one of my regular clients, on Sunday, the, about 14 hours after I get home. So I'm going to get a hopefully good night's sleep, maybe a burger and fries on the way home from the airport. Did you know that they put sliced beets and sliced pineapple on the burgers down here neither did i and then on monday i'm not picking them up so hopefully i'm actually gonna get out and do some real fishing i'm gonna take the drift boat out and i'm gonna go do some tide waters on the potomac and see if i can get into some snakeheads the hype is definitely out there now i'm reading a lot it's on moldy chum this morning which is actually this evening for me about the world record snakehead out of the potomac you know, maybe tomorrow this, this new water is going to flush out the lake, but it's just cold and nasty and not the kind of weather a one-year-old baby should be out in. So we're going to stay here and just eat some canned soup and some grilled cheese, and hopefully I can get uh, Steph, the front desk girl from downstairs, to give us an outro to this. She doesn't think she has an accent, but uh, you all will be convinced that she does if we can get her to talk. So that ends my portion of a fortnight down under. Now let's uh, bring you some better podcasts upcoming. We're going to do Tenkara. We're also going to, or I am going to do, my brand loyalty, the brands I favor. And uh, maybe you want to do some early Christmas notes because it is about six months from Christmas now. All right. Thanks for listening to what turned out to be a pretty lousy fishing trip to Australia. I'm going to get all the pictures up online on the website. So hopefully I can get you all to go look at some of those. I took about 738 pictures, pretty much birds. And uh, yesterday was tree bark. Believe it or not, I took pictures of tree bark. And believe it or not, also, when I was walking with the baby lady yesterday, we found the same kind of thing we found in Long Beach, but for a guy. So you can use your imagination, and uh, if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. All right. Take care. I've got Murray with me. We're at Tackle World in Fishwick. It's about a two-and-a-half-hour walk from the hotel. And he's going to tell me about the fishing I can expect down at Lake Burley Griffin. Yeah, um, you want to chase some carp, that's a pretty good bet. Um, we're in Kingston, they're often fed uh, by ladies and bred the ducks, so it brings all the carp in. Um, also cod, yellow belly, redfin, 
But yeah, carp and redfin probably are easier sort of targets, I suppose, at the time being. You've got a, a pretty well-stocked shop. What are most of your anglers in here fishing for and where? Oh, a bit of a mixture. We've got a few that fish down here. We get a lot at the moment that are up the hills for the trout. You can be in Jindabyne. It's been fishing quite well. Um, down the coast, brim, flatties, uh, all your estuaries, outside game fishing is really good. Here we get a lot at the moment that are up the hills for the trout. You can be in Jindabyne. It's been fishing quite well. Um, down the coast, brim, flatties, uh, all your estuaries, outside game fishing is really doing quite well at the moment as well, tuna. Um, so yeah, we get a big variety and a lot of people that head up north too for things like barra, GT, a bit of everything really. Pretty good area to be a fisherman, to live here? It's not too bad. Well, we're close enough to the coast and the mountains that you're sort of you're only looking at sort of a couple of hours travel to get and chase a, a heap of different species, I suppose. The lady at hotel keeps telling me to go to the Snowy Mountains. Yeah. I guess there's a bus I could take up there. Yeah, Yukonbeam and Jindabyne. They're um, fishing quite well. Yukonbeam's fishing really well at the moment. A lot of fire fishing's going well. Bait fishing's doing well at the moment because the water temperatures have dropped. Um, yeah, it's a good time of year for the trout. Perfect time. And what are the some of the native fish that you mentioned? Versus, like, I know the carp are introduced. Yeah, carp introduced, redfin introduced. Um, your cod and your yellow belly a couple of your main natives around here to target. And the you got the dam on Lake Burley Griffin. Is there anything in the, the water below that? Um, not many people fish down there, but they'll still have, like, redfin, carp, cod, yellow belly, pretty much everything in the rivers, same as what you find in the lakes. Any environmental issues going on that people need to be aware of down here? They didn't really check my stuff at the airport to make sure I didn't have any wet. They just said, is your gear wet? And that was it. I was like, no. They're like, all right, you're good. Oh, not really. Not so much. Like every now and then we get a bit of an algae problem coming up, but um, nothing serious, I suppose. But nah, it's pretty good. It's just, it's probably looking a little bit dirtier at the moment just because of the amount of rain we've had lately. So it takes a while to sort of clear in that. But um, nah, it's pretty good at the moment, actually. I was told there's a golf course not too far from where I'm staying, near the capital. I might maybe there's supposed to be kangaroos on the the green, so I'm gonna go look at the kangaroos. But I don't know yeah, if I can all, fish there. All the golf courses around here, you pretty much find kangaroos in all of them. That's pretty. Cr- I've only seen them in the zoos, so kind of excited to see one. Nah, yeah, even driving around, if you look in the bloody hills and that, you'll spot them. That's for sure. They're everywhere. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, let me go pick out some of those bread flies and see if anything else is in here. Um, Thanks for joining me. Too easy, mate. Thank you. Hi, this is Steph, and this has been Fortnite in Australia with the Fly Fishing Consultant. Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.